Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by True Detective on HBO. The third season of True Detective was hailed by critics as a triumphant return, exquisitely layered, and mesmerizing. You know that I love that season, season three. I thought it was incredible. We did the flat circle about it. It was a fantastic show. For your Emmy consideration in outstanding limited series and all other categories, visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on True Detective. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Just Crack an Egg. You want to talk about great production value? How about a legit, hot, fluffy breakfast scramble that's packed with all your favorite ingredients? It's called Just Crack an Egg, and all you have to do is add a fresh egg over their hearty ingredients, then stir, microwave, and enjoy any day of the week. It takes less than two minutes. Find all seven varieties of Just Crack an Egg in the egg aisle. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. And today, a very special Black Mirror, all Black Mirror episode of The Watch. So here's what happens. Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, the minds behind Black Mirror, were nice enough to drop by. It was their second appearance on The Watch. And we had a sort of general Black Mirror State of the Union conversation. So if you haven't seen... Season 5, which has just dropped on Netflix on Wednesday. You can listen to that. And then we went episode by episode through the three episodes of Series 5. So what Kaya's going to do is you guys can look in the show notes. You can see if you watch Striking Vipers, you'll see what time that starts, what time that conversation. I think we were pretty good about not spoiling anything from future episodes while we were talking about it. At least we tried to be. And then we went through each episode. So the three episodes from Black Mirror are all discussed in detail with Charlie and Annabelle. Some really fun anecdotes, some really good insights into this series, the show as a whole. It's just so much fun to talk with people who are so smart about what kind of art they make. It's uh, one of my favorite interviews we've done in a while. So we will be back on Monday, probably some X-Men Dark Phoenix talk, although I will say that I appeared on The Big Picture, which should be dropping tomorrow on Friday. And Sean and I had... A very, very fun talk about the X-Men and Dark Phoenix. So probably some talk about that. And of course, Big Little Lies on Monday. Thank you for listening. uh, And we'll talk to you soon. Here's Charlie and Annabelle from Black Mirror. Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, thank you so much for joining me again on The Watch. Thank you. The second appearance. It was almost a year to the day that you were here Mm -hmm. the last time when we talked about your favorite episodes of the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Ringer just put up our own ranking of the episodes, Sandra DePero winning. Um, this is a crowd favorite. Kind of, yeah, it was yeah, a, yeah. We have like a tendency now because we do a lot of rankings of stuff mm-hmm. that's like a modified democracy. So like people can vote, mm-hmm. but then there's sort of a high council that starts wow. to adjudicate. Are you the high so, council? Not necessarily. What you're describing there is a corrupt democracy. Yes. I don't know where okay. we got that idea. Modified <laughs> <laughs> democracy is a sinister <laughs> way of putting it. It's a, it's a, it's a superficial... Democracy, kind of. So, Jan, Sandra Napero, number one. Mm-hmm. Entire history of you, number two. Mm-hmm. Be right back, number three. That's my mm-hmm. favorite. I think I talked to you guys about that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hang the DJ for Callister five, and then mm-hmm. we did. These four. are all very romantic or emotional, or all relationships. That's the thing is that I Sandra I have Perry, such a different to... relationship to this show. Metalhead would be way higher on mine, and I have. Ah. I mean, I don't know if you call it metalhead romantic. I suppose you'd have to. It's a relationship of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> a relationship gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 
That is very interesting. So, yes, a lot of the more emotional yes. heavyweights yeah. are in that top four. It's almost like people don't want to be horrifically depressed by the <laughs> stuff they watch for entertainment. Um, but it's are we inter- making the wrong show? Well, uh, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting in that uh, Metalhead, for instance, is yeah. a very, very divisive episode because it's a very strong flavour and it's a very strong, it's quite a harsh Biscuit? Yeah. I don't know. Is that, is that a, <laughs> a harsh biscuit? Mm. A harsh biscuit? Uh, well, we have used, I'd say cookie, I suppose, over here. You don't say biscuit in the same way. I don't think you'd say harsh cookie. cookie. Yeah. If it was a harsh cookie, I think you'd have to it's a barbed be wire cookie. or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's a strong, it's a shot of it's whiskey a choice, or something. Yeah, it's like, sure, so it's, yeah. a, it's a, that says a lot about you. Yeah. And what you like. So, hmm. yes, yeah, not for everyone. So, but we always, we always know that, some of our episodes, some people are going to hate mm-hmm. and other people are going to love. Mm-hmm. And that's um, usually better than everyone quite liking all of them. Yeah, I, I think that's the job of an anthology show, isn't it? To sort of present different diverse films that people are going to love passionately mm-hmm. and as a result, maybe not love other ones as passionately. Mm-hmm. I notice you, you use the word films there. Oh, God, yes, yeah, sorry. Well, no, because... I know, I have to stop saying it because I realise it sounds very pretentious. No, not at all. Films. But it's, it does suggest sort of like they're getting but, a little longer, they're getting, well, they're feeling more cinematic in some ways. I mean, I think yes, that they're always very distinctive visually. But. Yes, and I think it's that because the reality when we film them that they are all separate films and there is, they're totally autonomous. Uh-huh. And so there's no one person, apart from Charlie and I, no one person is across any of the mm, film. Like a modified democracy. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are the High Council of Black Mirror. This is great. We get to finally meet. When do you know that you've got a series on your hands? So when is the decision made that these three to five to six to two or a standalone is, that's the statement we're going to make now? We It was a slightly different situation this time around, actually, because originally, so Bandersnatch, which came out on in December, mm-hmm. late December, was originally part of season five. Okay. So, for instance, Striking Vipers, which is the first episode of this three-episode season yes. we just put out, that was the first. We'd shot that before Bandersnatch. I think it was even written. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah, yeah. The script yeah. was written. And so originally it was going to be, yes, it was going to be part of the season. And as the more we worked on Bandersnatch, the more we realized, well, hang on a minute. This is like doing a whole season in one go anyway, because yeah. it's like five and a half hours of footage. Yes, Bandersnatch um, being the interactive. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. I should episode, point that out. I'm saying five episode. and a half hour. Bandersnatch, the interactive <laughs> episode. <laughs> it wasn't Heaven's Gate. It's, yes, it, was, it wasn't yeah. low. It was like there was a total of five and a half hours okay. of potential footage. And also we weren't sure. We sort of thought, oh, that's, oh, that's going to soak up it's going to soak up so much attention and it's it's so much its own thing. We'll put that out as a separate entity and then follow it up with with more stories. Mm-hmm. So, And we used to traditionally do, used to back in the day when we were on Channel 4 in the UK, we did seasons of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we sort of felt like that was a, a good, they complemented each other. And rather than make people wait until we'd done some more, we thought, well, we'll put out Bandersnatch and then we'll put out this. So some people have been a bit sore sort of saying, oh, you've done three episodes, oh, right. you do six. But actually, I would say to those people, I would take them I would take them gently by the hand and I would say, look at the overall running time. Like we did Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. If you add this to Bandersnatch, if you imagine that, then there's more. Yeah. We've done more, actually. We've done more. Um, <laughs> and then... We've over-delivered. That's right. I wouldn't be yeah. that cocky to say that. I'd say we've done more. <laughs> I wouldn't say we've over-delivered, you, you little peasant. 
That's that. I mean, was, am I the little peasant? No, that's oh, the, the, the tone just super just, fan. Yeah. He's just brushing them aside. No, saying, I'm no, I'm saying I'm know, treating them with respect. Brooker yeah. slaps down. <laughs> no, 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 she's the one treating them like you might as well call them muggles or whatever. <laughs> what? Like the way you like your. I'm saying to you, you yeah. and I, we have we have given more than a season this. You said year. over delivered. Yeah, we have because we've done about seven, eight, eight episodes in total. I admire our fans so much. It would be impossible to over deliver <laughs> to them to those wonderful people. But when you when you so what was the decision making process then to assemble this season the way it was with striking vipers coming back into this this season then? Uh, no, so maybe Charlie's mispresented. Oh wait, so maybe on. I misunderstood. So Bandersnatch uh, was supposed to be in this season. Striking Vipers was filmed. No, on. yeah, they, so we filmed them all together. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Smithereens was also but shot around the same time. Okay, the last three and Bandersnatch were all produced and filmed together. I got you. Mm-hmm. And we carved out Bandersnatch and put it earlier. Okay, let me ask you this then. So, do you think about these things in terms of? what's going to eventually wind up happening? Like, when you're making Series 4, do you know already that there's a, a bunch of stuff in the pipeline? Like, without giving away, like, what might happen in mm-hmm. the future, how active is Black Mirror Industries where it affects what's happening with what you guys are doing? Sometimes the story ideas that are skulking around mm-hmm. in the background for quite some time, and sometimes you're waiting for the right time to do it. Because you wouldn't want to do... You don't want to present a selection of stories that are too similar. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most important things we feel with the, every season is that we want each story to be idiosyncratic and separate from the rest. So sometimes you sort of think, okay, I've got a, a really horrible idea, but we've got a really horrible story in this season, so let's <laughs> hold on to that until we... So, so sometimes thematically you sort of hold things back for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah we, yeah, we like to spread... The horror. <laughs> and the joy. Oh, and the joy. And yeah. the joy. Yeah. There's a lot of laughs yeah. in this season. There's a, this yeah. season, there's yeah. quite a few. Again, actually, I mean, you know, if, if you said one thing that we heard about, we can't win. Because one thing some people said about Bandersnatch was, well, I just wanted to give him a happy ending. There were no happy endings there. I didn't feel there was a single happy ending. Um, well, that's because you gave them a choice. I would disagree. This yes. is Black Mirror. What were they expecting? Well, then in, in, this, then in this season, there are some more hopeful endings. And some people have said, well, I want, I, I want a horrible ending. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you know, you can just click back a bit on the go to the click any episode you like, then, mate. It's all right. <laughs> or switch on the news if you want some <laughs> horror. We were pleased, actually, just, just to, you, you mentioned Bandersnatch there and, and, and Stefan. We were pleased that with that, when people presented that as a criticism, when some people said, I just wanted to give mm-hmm. Stefan a happy ending, and I found that frustrating that I couldn't. Uh, we took that as a win <laughs> because oh, it meant you were, you were absolutely yeah. invested in him as a character, which meant that hopefully it, it was it was functioning for you as a film. It was you were invested in the character, and it wasn't just some gimmick. I mm. just recently experienced this. Uh, did you guys watch? I'm assuming you did. Did you watch the second series of Fleabag? Yes. And you get so wrapped up in their story that mm-hmm. even though you know what's going to happen. You, you you almost feel like physically uncomfortable because of how much you like care about what happens to these two people at the end. Yes, absolutely. So her breaking the fourth wall just lures you in even more. Yes. You feel like a confidant. Yeah. You feel it doesn't in any you know that that mm-hmm. worry that when you do break the fourth wall that you you're, you're going to break the concept and the conceit. And I think it was absolutely the opposite. Yeah. Um you know and I think that's what we were trying to do with um Bandersnatch as you say. You sort of the, if if the interactive element was ever going to 
force the viewer back mm-hmm. and distance the viewer from the character, then why bother making the film? Right. And so it was very it was one of the key things. In fact, when Netflix first asked us whether we'd ever do an interactive episode, we said no because for that very reason, that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have that emotional engagement. And then when we realized that when we found the way of presenting the, the interactivity, introducing it and then subverting it and exposing mm-hmm. it to the viewer and exposing it to the protagonist. So the protagonist was then able to, Stefan is able to remain a character, a fully formed character, because his actions are consistent and he knows that he's being controlled. As soon as you introduce that element, then you can have it all. Sure, and it it gets into the whole idea of whether choose your own adventure necessarily means choose your own ending. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Because it's still this, we're more talking about things that happen along the way rather than what what like a happy ending or some sort of fulfillment for this? Yeah, yes. it's interesting that some people and some people people came came to that with different uh, people's reactions were very different. Sometimes depending on how they, some people would say, oh, "I'm not very good at this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wish I, I I oh I haven't I haven't been able to win yeah. <laughs> yet. Um, and which is interesting, which is an interesting mm-hmm. way to look at it. I mean, we did sort of slightly play into that because there was a character who was reviewing the yeah. game that he would yeah. produce. Yeah. But no, so that was fascinating that some people who try and play that like it's a game and then and there were lots of people who who just wanted the protagonist to have a happy ending and couldn't yeah. get, and couldn't get there. But I think that, and you know, there's going to be more interactive projects out there which will use it in a different way. Yeah. We were using it in a very, you know, in a straight film, and we were hoping to emphasize and uh, enhance rather the emotional engagement and the, and also the complicity with which you feel when you are forcing these decisions upon mm-hmm. a character. But you know, if um, the Kimmy Schmidt mm-hmm. interactive will be very different, and the interactivity yeah. will be used probably for much greater comic effect. Sure, mm. sure. You'd hope. You'd think there'll so, be lots of. There's lots of sort of. Meta gags you can do yeah. there. My kids love the the bear grill. Have you tried the bear grills one? There's a bear grills <laughs> yes. one. You versus wild. Yeah, My kids who are five and seven love that, and it's like he's constantly like, oh, "So, do you want me to? Well, I oh no, here I am. Will I eat this live <laughs> yeah. wriggling caterpillar, slurp its brains out, or will I eat my own poo? <laughs> Which am I going to do? And you know, um, there's really no good option there. <laughs> no, and he does. He does it. He, yeah, like, oh. he eats a cat. He eats a big grub thing. Ugh. It's it's rough. It, it is rough. The it idea, does. like, I think that you're just worried that I think that people go into that thinking, how much danger can I actually put this guy in? Physical, yeah. like physical danger. I was curious because you know, I, I, obviously we just did this ranking, so I've been going back mm-hmm. through the past seasons, and I, you know, it's often been mentioned like how unfortunately society is catching up with Black Mirror mm-hmm. and, and surpassing it in terms of some of its horrors. But I was also wondering whether or not. Or how production on the show has changed over the years, um, mm-hmm. both in terms of the writing process, but also the access you guys obviously have to actors who are, I mean, I know Topher Grace was like a huge fan of the show. You have people out there who know Black Mirror want to mm-hmm. be a part of it. How does that change making the show, the awareness of the show out there? Um, hopefully it doesn't. I mean, well, because... because I go back to my film thing because they're all very separate mm-hmm. and and different. You approach all of them like they're their own individual thing, and you are only ever trying to serve that script as well as you can. And so that applies to the casting. You are only looking for the person who is going to, who one sort of reads the script and uh, responds well to it and knows what it's trying to do and understands its tonal pitch. Because mm-hmm. often with Black Mirror, you could take some of these films and make it completely in a different complete 
different genre oh, almost. Yeah. So finding an actor who really wants and in, understands the script and wants to play it in the same way as you do is, is obviously key to some of them. Um, we've just been, you know, we've just been so lucky with our casting, whether it's, you know, Daniel Kaluuya and Hayley Atwell or Letitia Wright. But often it's about the the timings being right in that sort of finding someone who is just is always going to be a massive success because they're a brilliant actor sure. and we've just been lucky that we've to been there right uh, as they're on that exactly. yeah. you know and uh, but it's all about the actor's tastes as well because some of the shows are incredibly as Charlie's saying idiosyncratic and not every actor will want to take that script so it's about finding a like-minded actor who feels that that's a film that's worthy of being made you discuss them as films but you know oh, yes, the, I'm these, sorry I did that no, you keep saying the F word did I? Say, <laughs> sorry no, 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 the film word oh sorry I'm an oh, idiot you, you could swear on this show oh, Oh, fuck. Uh, uh, you just... did exactly that last time. <laughs> I swore. You were told you could you could swear. I'm sure yeah. last time you were you told were you could swear and you, you immediately were. said fuck. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Potty mouth. Potty mouth Jones. Potty mouth Jones here. You know, I was noticing too that even though you're saying, you know, like, oh, these, we try to catch these people on the ascendancy and that, that we've been really lucky doing that. You look at something like what Andrew Scott does in this season mm-hmm. Andrea Riseborough does in, in mm-hmm. uh, I think, season four, I believe. There's so many examples. Hilly Atwell, like you referenced. People doing things that uh, are pretty unique these days. I don't know necessarily that you would see Andrew Scott ever carry almost every single scene, every single shot mm-hmm. of a 70-minute mm-hmm. episode of television or short film where he's got to be going and at a high pitch for that long, and there's such unique opportunities for these actors. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think that's that's obviously I think that's one of the things, hopefully, that appeals uh, to them is that it's 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 a relatively short um, commitment mm-hmm. taking part because it's because it's one film episode <laughs> <laughs> thing. Flepus. Flepisode. Flepisode. That's good. I don't know. Is it? Anyway. Yep. So it's a relatively short commitment because it's going to be quite, it's, it's, as you say, it's usually quite intense. Yeah. And hopefully, because we try, hopefully it's always surprising. So, Mm -hmm. so they'll find themselves doing, as you, exactly as you say, things that might be on the fringes of their comfort zone Mm. or are just so unusual and, bananas yeah that they they, 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 an opportunity like that isn't going to come along very often yeah and I think it's a a good example would would be Andy Mackey in um, Anthony Mackey in Striking Vipers Mm -hmm. you know taking a guy who's often cast for his masculinity superheroism his superheroism or whether it's in Hurt Locker where he's the alpha male you know and just absolutely turning that on its head you know and so when Anthony read the script and he immediately said I want to do this. Really? Because, yeah, because it appealed to the sort of, the side of him that's like, I'm not going to get many opportunities to be totally the opposite. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, and to take this and to say, and to sort of just boldly, because, you know, the Striking Vap is, is an odd film in that, you know, it's quite ambiguous what's actually going on in this unique sexual experience between this hetero couple, hetero friends, Mm -hmm. in this unique virtual reality sexual fantasy fulfillment world where they are having a unique, confusing experience where sexual gender is totally fluid and they have no idea what exactly, what roles they're playing. And so for Anthony, this was like, I 
absolutely want to do this. This absolutely turns everything on its head. So, you know, you have those unique little moments like that. Okay, we're going to get into some of the individual episodes of Series 5 of Black Mirror, Season 5. It's on Netflix now. You can watch it now. So we'll go through each episode, episode by episode, and you can refer to the show notes to see where those conversations start and stop. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans or catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1. Starting May 31st, jump into new episodes of Swamp Thing, dropping weekly, and follow Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana. She soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love like Batman and the original Superman movie. If animated films are more your speed, Reign of the Superman and Justice League versus the Fatal Five are now available and you can access DC Universe on your favorite devices. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at dcuniverse.com. Let's talk a little bit about the episodes in this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's only three, and I, mm-hmm. I there's a, don't say only. Being, say a whole wow. There's, there's a whole this, three episodes. It's this bountiful delivery of a harvest <laughs> of Black Mirror episodes. An over delivery. And <laughs> let's talk about Striking Vipers mm-hmm. first. Do you guys think that this is an optimistic episode or film? Um, ultimately, well, so the ending is, I would say, is bittersweet, but it's quite pragmatically romantic mm-hmm. in 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 fact the, the the saddest the saddest aspect of it is probably what's happened to Carl because Carl is lonely 364 days of the year and he gets to sort of he gets to go into the game with Danny one day a year. Well, it sounds like he, he practices a lot on the side. Well, yes, but then he says, but he doesn't, but then that's ultimately empty for <laughs> yeah. him, he says. And he's like, Tundra, even Tundra, the polar bear, yeah. <laughs> it was just not, it was not enough. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so, so it's throughout the episode, really, and there's quite a few things going on, but the problem is that people aren't communicating with each other, mm-hmm. actually. And by the end, They've managed to reach a compromise by simply being honest and open. And hmm. literally, Danny opens his mouth and tells Theo what has been going on. Yeah. yeah, and you see that they have that. Then presumably brings her to say, "Well, here's a, okay. Well, here's my fantasy. Here's what I, you know." And they they reach a sort of compromise. It's not a traditionally romantic no ending to something, but it's like there's a lot of trust there and open communication. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. We do end on a, a traditionally romantic image, but in sort of Black Mirror style, it is undercut by the unusualness of what's going I, yeah. on. I want to keep keep going with my line of question, but I did want to just digress. Did you did you guys shoot him telling Theo? Because no. you cut away no. from it, right? No. Okay, so I was yeah. just curious whether or not there was a version of that where he's like, so here's the thing. No. No. It not- always <laughs> said, in fact, I, you know what, we did cut one thing. We did cut one thing because it was, which was in the, which was in the script and we, we, it was in the cut I think the first time which was it showed it originally it showed him open his mouth and then it cut to the exterior of the car and you saw the brakes slam off <laughs> like and we took that out because it felt like yeah. it just felt a bit Cheesy. wrong well 
it just felt like it was trying to be a comic beat yeah. at the, at, the, at a point where you didn't want one. That episode is really interesting to me because, and that was directed by Owen Harris, correct? Yes. yes who also directed San Junipero, among mm-hmm. other episodes. Be right, be right back, back, be right as back well, yeah. of course. So two of my favorites, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's this really funny thing going on where I actually found a lot of the moments in Striking Vipers quite funny, mm-hmm. you know, but tonally, I think almost it's like, it's quite serious. You know, there's mm-hmm. even like their, their, their fight, their actual fight that they have is kind of got like the Blade Runner rain coming down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it must be such a delicate balance when you're trying to figure out tone, visual tone, uh, acting mm-hmm. tone, and also, but we kind of also want to let the viewer know it's okay to laugh at that. Yes. Yeah. But I think that you let the humor find its place in the performance mm-hmm. and you let the actors find that and let them, you know, it's sort of like it's all played straight. You know, and because, you know, the themes in it are, you know, some quite weighty and serious themes. So it's all played straight. And then let the characters find that level of humor and sure. how much they want to play it. Sure. Um, I think it's, well, it's interesting also, I mean, with something like that, where there's a there's the world in which you could do just a completely uh, comic version of that story. The which was just played, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just played for sort of laughs. And I... I, and, I think I love my friend or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it would be like... I, I and that I don't think would be as powerful. However, mm. if you if if you don't if you don't acknowledge the fact every now and then, and we do this in other episodes, I mean we we do it a bit in in Be Right Back. There's a there's a couple of moments of humor in mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. It's a very sad episode overall. Mm-hmm. But we occasionally you acknowledge the sort of absurdity of what's going on. I think that is a little release valve and it lets mm-hmm. the audience know you're not just do you know what I mean? You're not just presenting this as like a, an, an absolutely harrowing sort of drama. Sure. You're, mm-hmm. you're aware that what's going on is confusing, and there are elements of it that are that are amusing and awkward. And yeah, yeah. There's that and moment in Be Right Back where where they're at the cliff, and and she says, "Well, Ash, Ash would be crying, and yes. he would be so upset." And he's like, "Oh, okay." Oh, oh no! Please don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's this really like funny moment in the in the most heartbreaking part of the yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of, as in life, people use humor to sort mm-hmm. of cope sure. as a coping device, and we, that's actually reflected in the show. The line that—there's one line in Striking Vipers that I saw has become a bit of a meme, which is where—I can swear, can't I? So you, he's, you sure he's, can. Where Carl says, I, out of context as well, it sounds quite <laughs> says, I fucked a polar bear, and I still couldn't get you out of my mind. Yeah. Which is obviously how is this being used? How is this being deployed? So this is he says that he says that at a dinner party is is at the dinner party, it, like Danny, no, I, Danny, I, mean, Danny I remember the line. Oh, we just, how oh, are people how using? Is he, how is he having sex with the? No, how how is how is, <laughs> the, how is this meme being? Oh, oh this meme. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's more that people have been sort of putting images of polar bears around, I see. and and I think screen capping that particular. Line. Okay. Of, of, so yeah, it's just yeah, a very pro polar bear kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Just a kind of whoa. There's a line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's. Uh, sorry, I thought you were asking me how did they? No, I, <laughs> how I, did the I, union I, with the polar bear? I won't bear leave happen? that to my yeah, imagination. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's the best place for it. Yeah. But um, uh, um, yeah. And so obviously, when you're writing a line like that, you know, well, this I and I at one point I said, oh, should we should we cut that yeah. out? Should yeah. we cut that out? And we we left it in. I'm glad we did, because it's there to it's it makes you laugh, but mm. it's it's also it comes in the middle of a and delicate it, scene. Yeah, and embraces the ludicrousness of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. will never play Street Fighter again the same way. I was wondering whether or not it had to be. Was there something about the 
dynamic of a Street Fighter Mortal Kombat type fighting game that works for that sexual energy? Or um, is it because you couldn't really do it with like a Resident Evil, like a first person no. shooter? No, or like, or yeah, I mean, we'd done San Junipero was sort of in my head. I was thinking of Grand Theft Auto and mm-hmm. open world worlds like that specifically. I was thinking of. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which was set in the yeah. 80s. But um, with this, I think it was because I liked the thought that this was a, it's a world where it's not designed for freedom mm-hmm. that they're going into. It's a world where you're supposed to be doing something else. Clearly, the programmers have done too good a job at simulating <laughs> yeah. reality and yeah. all sorts of things are going on. It's also the characters in those games tend to be hyper-sexualized. They're like really yeah. ripped or they're really buxom or they're, you know, they're just Not sort of, wearing the type not, of clothing you'd wear typically to do mixed martial arts fighting. Yeah. Precis- yeah. They're yeah. wearing <laughs> revealing yeah. sort of like booby. Yeah. Booby or chesty or abby. Mm-hmm. Is that a threat? Like, yeah, <laughs> revealing clothing in beautiful surroundings. Yeah. And alone. There's no one else there. Sure. So it's only, there's only the two of them. And on top of that, one of the one of the sort of starting points was for the, for the episode in a way was I I was talking about how I used to play Tekken in the nineteen nineties mm-hmm. on the PlayStation, and that um, with my flatmate, and we were we suddenly became aware one day we would play it until all hours of the morning, and it, once, it was the summer and the window was open, and I suddenly realised that for the last however many hours our neighbours had been hearing two guys in our flat going, oh, 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 yes, 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 oh, God, oh, no, ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, and so they must have thought that there was an absolutely insatiable, like either there was some sort of sex dungeon going on or an incredibly in love couple yeah. <laughs> living there. Um, and there wasn't? Who, who had, uh, well, but but, but they we're into some sort of sadomasochistic because there was there was often a lot of like, because when you're playing those games, you go, you bastard, you bastard, you know, things like that a lot of the time as well. And it's like, yes, yes! So it must have sounded <laughs> nuts. Um, and that's funny. You know, that's yeah. just funny. And so so there's something about that, the sort of... And it is ultimately in those games, you are grappling. Yeah. You are physically grappling with each other. Mm-hmm. So there was... It, all of those elements were were what fed into... it. it and it just felt... It felt like it was unexpected. If they'd gone into more of a sort of second life or a GTA sure. sort of like... Well, it might have come as less of a Echo surprise. Echo the dolphin could have been. <laughs> Echo the dolphin. Well, that's something that Carl should try. Yeah. If, he, right. if Tundra didn't, didn't work, this poor animal. Echo the what dolphin. What are we doing? Like, Started with a pig, and I now I don't want to start looking at video games and trying to work out which ones. <laughs> like, I mean, there's yeah, <laughs> FIFA, FIFA. You could probably well FIFA. Well, in that's, FIFA. That's don't they have two. they have they they celebrate goals don't sure, they, they sure do yeah they do a lot of sort of <laughs> hugging and cuddling in yeah. that don't they it's coming home so <laughs> they, could, yeah. they could just keep that going there used to be can you still I have not played an ice hockey game in ma- yeah. many many years so but they used to break into fights yeah that was that was wow. a big thing remember in Swingers did you ever see that movie yeah they do the, oh, yeah. They the fight yes. he's like watching like them. NHL whatever yeah it was, it was yeah. like 94 or whatever mm. it was Okay, so that's striking vipers. Mm. Such an interesting episode. <laughs> the reason why I was asking about the optimism was because it does feel like a uh, 
a sister episode to San Junipero in some ways. I mean, Man Junipero. Man, we, Man Junipero. We, we sort of but, like, yeah, we, we jokingly I, sometimes called it that. I don't think it is. I mean, it's there are thematic similarities in terms of, well, not so much thematic, no, but in aren't. terms of the techno- technology yes, that's going the technology, on. There. They both involve people going into a fantasy world. Yes, but, this, but Striking Vipers is more about you know, a lot of it is about porn. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. when porn becomes so sophisticated and personalised and immersive. When when does it become not a healthy distraction and it becomes a form of cheating? Yes. And so those those questions are at the heart of the it. The theater and that yeah, and that certainly is there. I I was really more just thinking about it in terms of like if you find happiness, does it matter how you got there? Or yes. does it matter what that happiness... The, I suppose the happiness in Striking Vipers is a sexual it's a, yeah. high. Yes. It's more, you know, they, they obviously, because they're friends and they have that um, camaraderie, there's a, a contentness at the heart of it, but it is about a sexual fantasy that they're living yeah. through. Yes, well, whereas for Danny, San Junipero, whereas for Carl, it is totally... I don't know, yes, for Carl, Carl it feels certainly more, there's more... Well, he has an intimacy that he doesn't have in the real world. And it's more probably personally revelatory yeah. to him. Yes, absolutely. Than yes. It, whereas for Danny, it's more about his concerns about fidelity with his, like, is he cheating on his wife? Yeah. And, and it's wish, and, it, and it's, you know, the, it's um, recognising mm. that his youth has passed and he's not sure. as virile yeah. and sexualised as he once was. So it's a, a, a wish fulfilment in mm. a different way. Whereas San Junipero, you know, is totally, totally different in that, not totally, different in that most of the film takes place within the VR world. Mm-hmm. And these are two people abling to find a romantic liaison free of all prejudices. Mm-hmm. So I think it, Thematically, they're different. They're different. They're different. Yeah. I, it, it, it just, for a while there, was workshopping a, a take that San Junipero is actually heartbreaking at the end. You know, it's just like... Oh, the, because I, they're both dead? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah. I, think it's to, I think there's a heartbreak to San yeah, Junipero. Yeah, but I mean, it like, mm-hmm. it, there's almost... There's something bittersweet about... Maybe it's the Linda Carlisle song, I don't know, but there's something about, like, watching those hard drives get yeah, Oh, that's away. definitely oh, there yeah. as a... Yeah. That's there as a... That is there as a... It's sort of, it is a weird one because it's sort of beautiful and and even the the winking lights on the hard drives are described in the script as beautiful yeah that it's mm-hmm. like a star field or something yeah mm-hmm. but there is a sort of cold practicality to the fact that they're literally heaven is a place on earth and it's that place is a server farm, a, a cloud yeah basically yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. Cloud, yeah. Mm. and Gugu you know Gugu says well how can you make sense of forever sure. you know the question is asked but then she just and also that for her entering the world is sort of having to say goodbye to her daughter and her husband mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a there's a tragedy to it all uh, you depress me now. Sorry, let's lighten the mood by um, talking about smithereens yeah so I, I'm definitely at the place right now where I would watch Andrew Scott read an Ikea manual. Mm-hmm. On well, you're so in luck because yeah. he's doing, oh, that. I was gonna he's do doing that, that on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's season six. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Ikea. Ikea furniture can be its own Black Mirror episode. <laughs> um, I love this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was good. curious, is this the only episode that's ever had a place and time card? That yes. Apart from what? San Junipero. Well, San Juni- yeah, but San Junipero cheats. It doesn't yeah. have a place and time card, but it says this well, is like, uh, right at the start, the first thing you hear is yeah. a DJ going, that's the, that's yeah. Heaven is the Place on Earth, the biggest hit of 1987 sure. so far. Viewers, mm. did that exposition go in? Um, <laughs> but it, we're cheating. 
I think it is the yeah. first time, and we cheat, actually, we definitely cheat at the end of San Junipero because when you see the gravestone, it doesn't say the years that anyone oh. died. <laughs> That's not cheating. It is, because we didn't want to specify what year it really was. But it's not important to the story. It's cheating. Did it's you not. guys, <laughs> did the, the mason that you guys had hired to carve the tombstone get off work too fast? Or? <laughs> <laughs> we had a name later. I can't even remember what. We, there was something else that we, there was something, we, we, Tinkered with something on that, yeah. Okay. But um, uh, I think uh, so, and we deliberately it was that was part. Now we've done other episodes that are set in the present day, mm-hmm. with that like "Shut Up and Dance" was one that had no sci-fi element and was set just in mm-hmm. the present day. Mm-hmm. Um, national anthem, national anthem mm-hmm. as well. The Waldo moment was not really sci-fi, mm-hmm. particularly. I mean, there's a bit of there's not there was nothing that's impossible in there. Yeah. Um, this we specifically, I guess, we specifically put a date and card time um, thing up there for two reasons I think one was we we actually genuinely wondered whether social platforms would change the policy Mm -hmm. there's a subplot in there that's to do with um, a woman trying to get into her daughter's account Uh, and she they won't let her it violates their privacy policy and we were actually wondering whether that would that position would have changed Mm -hmm. by the time this went out and then another thing that's probably even the, the bigger reason was probably also it just says right at the start this is today. Sure. So you're not thinking. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking. I'm going to see. He's going to. Oh, it's all. It's a VR simulation. That's all happening in his head but or I, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, the reason I ask, I guess, is because there is a uh, an industry out there of people trying to sort of assemble a, a chronology or a timeline yeah. among these episodes and sort of projecting out is is metalhead the end point or something mm-hmm. or something, you know, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what what that is and mm-hmm. where the prime minister and national anthem, because obviously he's... He's mentioned He's in mentioned that. in Smithereens, but... He's mentioned in Nosedive as well. Oh, right. But there's a little there's a little Facebook update from him. No, <laughs> Facebook style, Facebook style platform, I should probably say. <laughs> Just saying, it's a blink and you'll miss it. It says in the background, got thrown out of the zoo today. <laughs> in an unhappy face. But, um... <laughs> That's uh, good. I would say that it's 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 going to be very hard for anyone to actually construct a, a fully functioning timeline mm-hmm. because although we do explicitly say in quite a few of the episodes we nod to other things and when you watch the news tickers in episodes we're almost always referring directly sure. to other things and mm. um it, because I I decided uh it used to be asked is it is it all in one shared universe and I'd say no then I changed my mind and started saying yes since Bandersnatch <laughs> I realized, well, it's a multiverse. Oh, okay. Because Colin Rittman, who seems to be the king of this multiverse, who seems to know, like, can transcend time and space, um, knows that there are parallel realities. So I'm guessing it's there's a Black Mirror multiverse, which therefore gets us out <laughs> of any continuity problems. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a four-dimensional diagram. Multiverse. <laughs> it's okay. So, so those people working on the timeline need... A, t- a 3D printer. They need. They need also need an <laughs> advanced degree in astrophysics or whatever it takes. And a lot of time. Yeah. Um, there's an element of Smithereens that feels very like it could be in the Guardian Live blog on any given mm-hmm. day. Uh, is it the first time? I, I don't know if it's the first time, but is it? Did it feel more ripped from the headlines necessarily than other episodes that you guys have done? Necessarily. Hmm, um, just because Topher's character, obviously, I think is like, it, oh, it feels like a one-to-one to Jack Dorsey, sort of. Yeah, and there was actually, there was a line that was in there that we we had to lose for sort of time where somebody referred to him 
he's he's out in the desert like doing this meditation retreat because one reason is because he's depressed over all the political stuff that's been going oh, on. Yeah. So it's implied that there's some he's been taking flack for stuff sure. on the platform. Mm. We were aware we I mean, he wasn't based on an individual okay. although like at I can't remember if it was in my head, it's before the script was written. Maybe it was after now. I'm not sure when it was that Jack Dorsey, who's the Twitter guy, went off on a... He went on a silent retreat. Silent retreat. Yeah. He tweeted that he had. And when he came back, he said, oh, I went on a silent retreat. It was great. And everyone, like, lots of replies were going, what are you going to do about the dances on the platform, Jack? It's all very well going off. And, yeah, thanks. I'm glad you're mindful. <laughs> Mind this. Um, so there was a, certainly an and there was a great irony. It felt in having this head of a big communications sure. platform being literally locked away, uncommunicative, and also struggling with like mm. the ethics of what he's created. Yeah, mm -hmm. as out as out of control as Chris is. Yes. So we were aware. I think that stemmed from two things. One, we wanted to do a story that the sub plot in that which is where we meet Haley, the woman whose daughter committed mm -hmm. suicide and she just wants to get into her daughter's account that had we'd been obsessed at one point with turning that into a story idea mm. and it felt like the problem with trying to turn that into a story idea was it implied that when you open on its own I mean when you open that inbox when you finally when the character finally cracks the password or whatever and gets in there you would expect some answer. And I think that would be quite glib to suggest sure. that there is an answer. There would either be a glib reason that you were suggesting, or it would turn into a mystery thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she didn't commit suicide. She was yeah, murdered. Yeah, some you know, big melodrama. It would turn too melodramatic. So so we were but we had we were like, well, there's I'm sure there's a story idea here. Mm. And also, then we were talking about occasions when like one time I got in an Uber and uh, it was just gawping at my phone, as I often am. And uh, suddenly I was aware that the car had stopped. And I looked up and I thought, I don't know where I am. Yeah. And the guy had got out and he was rummaging around in the trunk of the car. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> uh, and then he came out. He had a bottle of water. And he went, oh, sorry, I was just thirsty. I didn't yeah. want to disturb you on your phone. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. And, and we were discussing moments like that. And similarly, we'd been having lots of conversations with people who were trying to limit, who were concerned mm. about how hooked they felt like that they were just doing things like setting their phone screen to monochrome because that apparently yes. makes your phone there's all sorts of gimmicks seductive. that you can use yeah sort of to do limiting it. the time yeah the kitchen safes like some people who put their there's phone in that, a safe there's uh there's like you can basically start to get it to turn off yeah it's apps at a certain point but you can also just say like give me 15 more minutes all yeah. the time which it seems almost more cruel than just <laughs> you know what I mean like you can have mm. the yeah. screen time go down but then you can just say like remind me in 15 minutes and that makes yes. you feel more like a mouse with cheese, kind of. Yeah. Yes. But the irony of the drug trying to wean you off itself mm -hmm. is a funny one. And, mm. you know... What so, a cigarette saying, I think that's enough now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, we, you know, we don't have enough self-control. We have The phone has to tell us mm. when to stop using it. Yes. It's just crazy. Um, but I think there would just been little things like, the, um, you know, little ingredients appearing on the phone to keep you lured in, whether it's number of emails now being a circle and telling you how many emails you've yet to look at. That's sort of, you know, teasing you. Yes. All of these new elements that were appearing that were making people harder to sort of resist. Mm -hmm. And so um, it just felt all of those themes coming together. Yeah. It felt, it felt right. like everyone we spoke to 
the, everyone we were speaking to, if you'd go, oh, I've just tried this, I've just got this app called Moment and it tells me how much time I'm spending on my phone and it's depressing. They'd go, oh, I know, I've got this and I, you yeah. know, I tried doing this and I switch it to airplane mode and I try and keep, I can't stop. Um, so like it was, everyone it was, going through breakups of the most important relationship in everyone's life was, was with their, their phone. phone. And how to break well, up you know with it. It's like when you lose it or something, you're like, uh, oh God, it's, uh, it's like a limb's fallen off. <laughs> but you have phantom limb syndrome where you're like, yeah. oh, but I'll Google to see where my phone is. Well, Oh, 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 no, I can't. Uh, you know, it's like, terror, you know, find yeah. my iPhone is like, like you use that all the time. I have a, um, I had a really terrible moment this morning where I was coming into work, but I have this, I don't know if you've noticed these trees in LA, they're called jacarandas. Do you have those? I don't, don't know. Well, if I, I saw one, I... It's basically the purple flowers. They oh, yes. oh, yeah, at the okay. end of May and they fall a lot. And it's beautiful mm. if it's happening somewhere outside of your, like away from your home. Right. But they are basically, they turn into gum. Right. Almost as soon as they hit the ground oh, and gosh. they stain everything and they they suck. And the point is, is that I was sitting in my car outside of my house, supposed to go to work, Googling best way to clean up jacaranda flowers instead of just sweeping them up. <laughs> and I was just like, I really hope, I honestly hope like, you know, like my car explodes right now to save me from what I've become. Whereas instead of just like yeah. brushing these flowers up, I'm like Googling, I'm on message boards yeah. looking for best... Yeah. ways of cleaning them up the best way that's yeah. what you need to find not just the way to do it the <laughs> exactly. best way to do it it's a weird way we, we were aware in doing it we, there was a slight risk and we slightly steer into it uh, at one point which is the the that sometimes a criticism of the show mm -hmm. is uh, people say oh it's uh, what if phones put too much it's somebody yes, complaining yes, that yes. well it's people saying this, these kids today are on their phones too much and in a way like Andrew Scott's character Chris does deliver a rant that is sort of that it's like a, almost an unhinged version yes. of that that he does at one point but I think it's um, you know we're not saying that, and, and the episode doesn't say oh this is all wrong it sort of shows there's a there's, a, there's definitely an issue there which is you've got however many apps you've got on your phone they're all fighting for your attention they're all optimised to suck up as much of your attention as possible and there is a strange it must be the growing trend for meditation and mindfulness and uh -huh. stuff like that must be related to this that people are starting yeah. to feel like it's I the can't, addiction and the cure at the same time the you get well I was I started using it and of course the first thing I did was like googled like meditation best, best app. meditation app <laughs> how can I how can I meditate like quickly by pressing a button <laughs> while uh, doing something else um, can we just do a quick brief in praise of Andrew Scott moment oh my god He's, uh, let's you know do what, it though? much longer the, the amount of work we had to do in post to make him I know. look Less because he's such an ugly man. <laughs> he's so ugly and don't like, objectify him. I, this well, was not, I mean, we were being right? sick. Yes, I know. How lucky were Sorry? we? Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. caught him before. So a lot of people yes. are saying, "Is this what becomes of hot priest?" <laughs> he gets his heart, he gets his heart broken, and then he becomes an Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> I just thought he was remarkable in this, and oh, it yeah. must have been. It's just one of those things where if you don't have the chops to. To pull no, it off, I don't know yeah. what that episode is. No, absolutely. You know, he's a great theatre actor, so he's used to working with a smaller space. And mm -hmm. in this example, a, a car. You know, so so much of the film takes place with the two of them in a field in a car. Yeah. Not the greatest pitch to an actor, <laughs> but he, uh, he. And it was a genuinely, I think, during a heat wave in Britain yeah, as well. So it yeah. was like really, it was uncharacteristically hot. You know, so it was like uncomfortable. So he was in shock as well as hot. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it's not. Oh my God, what's happening? Sky is blue. <laughs> sky is blue. You have to change Wrong. all the lights. Yeah. <laughs> it's like actually have sun. The DP was, what do we do with this <laughs> bright ball of light? Mm. Um, but he is, he is astounding. Oh yeah, he's astounding in it. Um, yeah. 
And like you say, he has to carry so many. Yeah. Like he's in close up a lot of the time. Mm. It's very claustrophobic. He had to again and again and again get to a place of absolute desperation. Mm. And mm. I mean, it's just that's one of the things that I think that's one of those things that I did not appreciate until you start hanging out on set all mm -hmm. day long. And being on set can be incredibly boring, unless you feel like it's a hive of activity. But if you're sort of just sitting there waiting to see the next take, it can be quite boring yeah. a lot of the time. But then you're watching... When I used to hear actors sort of saying, oh, you know, I had to go to a really dark place for this role, I used to think, oh, yeah, oh, Christ, you're basically playing Let's Pretend. Like, Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. So you cried a bit. like, Ooh. And then you forget, when you watch it, when you're there and you watch it in person, and they're having to do that and channel that in front of loads of people. I did not appreciate, genuinely didn't appreciate how many times they have to do yeah. it again and again and again from different angles and they've got a match and they've got to, like, and it's all, like, but it, it sounds like I just, just genuinely didn't know until you see it and then you realise, oh yeah, actually that is really bloody hard, isn't it? And it's, and it's not just that, but it takes a, it has to take a huge toll on you. Yeah. So to do that yeah. for that lot, I'm basically saying they are the biggest heroes in the world. Yes. Let's do a big award show. We should even show. Do celebrate awards. their yeah. work. Should we do that? It's, I'm, I'm saying this. Yeah. Society clearly does not celebrate them enough. Yeah. If only there was a city in the world that <laughs> and they did, did celebrate People them. don't no look attention. up to them or They're want the to be them. heroes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just um, only want to be in the background. I, I want to get to uh, Ashley too, but mm -hmm. I do want to say that one of my favorite things is when I, whenever I fire up a Black Mirror episode is to see what the mini genre thing inside the episode is going to be. Yes. <laughs> that you guys got to do, like, basically an episode of Bodyguard inside of this. But Bodyguard, if it was with conference calls, was really, really funny. Uh, as was Topher Grace. Where did you find that house? Um, which house? Oh, the, 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 the Spanish. Oh, the Spanish well, it was actually in Spain. Spain. It, was, it says it's in Utah. Utah? Utah. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually in Spain. Spain. Actually yes, Googling, I know what it's the great find. Yeah. 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 Nice job. Apparently it was on an episode of George Clark's Amazing Spaces. <laughs> Why are you telling people that? Um, yes, massive ravine. It was, yeah, beautiful. Mm. It was gorgeous. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley. Mm -hmm. Jack and Rachel and Ashley, too? Rachel, Rachel Jack, and Rachel, Ashley. Jack, and Ashley, too. Okay, the Miley Cyrus episode. Mm -hmm. Was this written with her in mind, or was it pop star, and then you kind of take it from there? Yeah, yeah. it was very much that. We did not think, because you know, it would be arrogant for us to think, Oh, we'll get Miley Cyrus to play yeah. this one. Um, so we, it was, it was. So the script was written, and then well, it was you, like, well, who's just gotten Andrew Scott to play the role? <laughs> well, he's so he's, he's bloody. Actually, I would watch that. You know, yeah. that's the thing. It's like because we thought, who who can we get to play mm -hmm. this part? Andrew but, Scott. Andrew Scott. And but we just filmed Smithereens. <laughs> we're like, we can't do that. So it was genuinely. We had a conversation. It was like, well, in an ideal world, you'd get someone like Miley Cyrus, right? But we're not going to get her. So who can play? Because it's it's not it's it's always annoying if you're watching a film or a TV show, whatever it is, about a fictional performer, be they a comedian or a musician or a performer of any kind, and you don't believe you don't quite believe that the, the stuff they're doing would be as popular mm -hmm. as you're saying it is in the in the story. Which meant two things. One, it meant that we early on we got the we asked permission from Trent Reznor to convert Nine Inch Nails tracks right. into pop, sorry, into dance pop songs, knowing that they were catchy songs, first and foremost, sure. and that they would work. And they had to be, because we're not saying that her music is mm. shit. No. In it. Like, we're not saying that the Ashley O character's music is shit. It's 
bloody catchy. Like everyone was mm. humming those songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just that it's it, the character we show. It's not quite what she wants to do. She wants to do something different for a while. Back to Miley. So we we thought, well, who who could we possibly get? Well, it would be great if we got someone like Miley Cyrus. We won't get her, but therefore we got nothing to lose by at least asking, asking. Yeah, sure, but we'll just get ignored probably. Um, but we didn't get ignored. It turned out she'd heard of the show and liked it. And then so we sent her the script and she liked that too. And then quite quickly we were on a Skype call with her and it became apparent that she is, uh, you know, she's just very, very funny, very smart, very, has a good sense of, you know, takes her job obviously very seriously, but also has a, a good sense of, a healthy sense of the absurdity of yeah. that world. Mm-hmm. Um, had some things that she, there were certain things in it, in, in the script that she really responded to and she had quite a lot of feedback yeah so, I was wondering so if she like, had any oh, input any, any oh lots of input yeah. yeah I mean you know given that she started as the biz- the Disney pop star sure. and then you know tried to carve out her own identity and her own music and um, and that whole journey that she's been on to find her own identity you know quite a difficult one yeah. with, when all of the pr- pressures and commercial pressures of an industry saying this is what you do this is the way to you know to get, to maintain your mass pop stardom mm-hmm. um so she's fought a very difficult you know had a difficult journey to get to where she is now um so she had lots of experiences and comments and um gave us lots of little ideas and texture that we put into the script and then even on set you know in terms of coming up with the look of Ashley O yeah. and how she would position herself and her attitude of whether it's on a talk show or um how she deal with fans it's sort of you know all of it was um was all rich territory mm-hmm Music is such an important part of this series in general. I mean, mm-hmm. just in terms of the way, I mean, especially mm-hmm. the way it, it it weaves its way through Bandersnatch and Sandra Nupero, obviously, mm-hmm. this episode. Do you find yourselves still inspired by records from your life over the course of your life to that, that kind of pop up? Either they pop up in the show itself or you actually draw like, oh, that one lyric... It's kind of like this because uh, these these songs mm-hmm. pop up again and again too. Yeah, mm. I, that that is absolutely what happens. I mean, as in so, and I can give specific examples. Mm-hmm. So, in in so in in San Junipero, yeah. I was literally I was in the I think I was in the middle of writing the script when I went for a run, uh, listening to Spotify, and I'd I'd made a sort of playlist of tracks from 1987, mm-hmm. uh, and then it. it it started playing, or the algorithm started playing, um, Heaven is a Place on Earth. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, that's like the, I, I, it's, it's, this sounds, to use a Britishism, wanky, um, which just means pretentious <laughs> sure. or like ridiculous. We've, we've used I, that phrase over here too. Okay. Yeah. I sort of saw the ending. That's if awesome. you see what I, mean. I sort of saw the ending and thought, oh, right, that was what gave me the image of the, Server farm, mm-hmm. for instance. Oh, heaven is a place on earth, but it's that. Okay, and so I was running. I literally ran home. <laughs> so I was just sort of typing that, and, and I was like, oh my God. And then I was terrified we wouldn't be able to get the Thank right Thank God to you didn't song. start playing Tekken when you got home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that happened later, clearly. And then in, um, with Rachel, Jack, and Ashley too, I was like thinking, well, we need pop songs that sound also, what do you do? And Head Like a Hole came mm-hmm. on, and I thought, hang on a minute, this is both. Like, it's a nihilistic sort of cry of, like, anger and rage and self-loathing and despair and, like, also, you know, it's all of that. It's this industrial, you know, but it's also bloody catchy. Yeah. And there's something oddly, you know, it's it's defiant and somehow triumphant. So I sort of thought I could see you could turn this into a pop song. Sure. And you could also have this at, in, at the end played in a triumphant 
grungy way as a sort of statement of uh, triumph and, and, yeah. freedom. and freedom. So, yeah. so again, so sometimes those things definitely happen. I had exactly this, exactly this um, experience the other. Literally yesterday, I went for a run here and something came up. And I sort of saw an entire episode. Wow. So I got quite... And it doesn't happen that often. I wish it did because I'd just be... The problem is you have to be running, which is... (laughs) I'd notice that if I don't go running for a while, not only do I expand (laughs) in size... But um, we have to keep you running. I keep getting these sort of you keep getting these We're little get a treadmill for the office. No, I'm not on a tre- never works on a treadmill <laughs> because you can't you can't escape the fact that you're running on a treadmill when you're on a treadmill. Do you, you like running through city or do you like going into some uh, some path somewhere? I don't really like running. That's the problem. It's just <laughs> oh, no. that I sort of feel a desperate <laughs> need. Well. To, I'm just slowly expanding in size, so I need to. Well, no, I oh, honestly hush, I am, hush. I am, Look at you. You look wonderful. I am nine kilograms heavier than I was this time last year. <laughs> What's nine kilograms? How much? It's probably over a stone. Oh my god! Wait, can we use an actual measurement? Get your trainers on. <laughs> yeah, a billion pounds. No, it's like eighty. You 80 agree. something. Well, I need to go running more often because, apart from anything else, every so often I can. You can sometimes solve a script problem because oddly you're not thinking. Yes. <laughs> you and you're sort of dreaming a bit. You can't do anything else. And if you're listening to music as well, sometimes it just. Either it just evokes a mood or literally a lyric or something like that. And you go, oh, ah, right. And so you, something kicks in. Has there ever been a time where you guys wanted to use a song in an episode or either it didn't fit creatively or you actually couldn't get yes. Jim, no? Jimmy Page to say yes? Yeah, there was a time we couldn't use, we wanted to use uh, The Smiths, Hang the DJ. Yeah. And which I think is a great, you know, The Panic, which yeah. I think is a great song. And then Morrissey came out in support of all sorts of far right groups yeah. in the UK. And he's, I thought, on a, he's on a roll. And I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> but it was too late. Do you decide? Yeah, well, I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? What, we're going to stop I listening mean, uh, to all of his early music? Well, um, it stops me listening to his early music. No, I know. It does. It comes course. up now. It comes up now on the, on the playlist. You skip it. And it yeah. makes me feel, because it just makes me feel a bit bad. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I, I, it, then, I, the, the songs are still catchy. But then, The songs are still enjoyable, but I, my, their meaning for me has, it just makes me immediately, I was like, oh. But mm. it shouldn't, because it should be if it's evoking a time when you listen to that music. But the time I'm listening to the music now is now. I know, but then you should, yeah, but but I think if it helps you elicit the feelings you had at that time when you first heard that music, that's allowed to remain. I like that rule. It's it's a it's slightly it's it's heartbreaking really because of what his music used to sort of who it used to speak for and what it used to mean. I've taken up too much of your time. Thank you guys so much for coming by. Series five is available on Netflix now. I hope to see you here a year to the day. You know, next year. We'll be going into the elections, and we can talk about Series 6. That's going to be an interesting time, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It should be really chill. Uh, You keep jogging. You keep listening to Spotify. Just running away from whatever's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming by, Charlie. Thank you so much. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by True Detective on HBO. The third season of True Detective was hailed by critics as a triumphant return, exquisitely layered and mesmerizing. For your Emmy consideration in outstanding limited series and all other categories, visit hbo.com slash FYC for more on True Detective. True Detective. 